Good morning. I'm glad to see you all here today on the last day of 2023. I'd like to just take a moment and share some announcements with you. Uh, first of all, all of our weekly ministries uh, are starting up again this week. So we'll have Olympians, all the ladies ministries as well. Um, and a note of correction for the bulletin. The Thursday combined deacon and trustee meeting is at 6 p.m., not 7 p.m. And then if you'll take a moment to look in your bulletin, there's two notes of appreciation. Um, and then tonight is the annual New Year's Eve party hosted by the Irizaris and the Fedoras at the Coram Deo gym. There's more details about that in your bulletin as well. And additionally, the Christmas mailbox is in the back. We're trying to get that cleared out. If you could stop by and check and see if you have any remaining cards left, that would be great. Um, and additionally, there is going to be a men's breakfast this Saturday, January 6th at the Diamond Grill at 8 a.m. And all men are encouraged to attend. And that's all for our announcements. And, uh, time for Mr. Fedora. Let's open our service with prayer, please. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the day that you've given us. We thank you for our church and our church family and each one, Lord. We thank you how you use our pastor to speak to us from you, Lord. We ask your blessing upon him this morning. We ask your blessing upon each and every person that's here and each and every person that may be watching online. Father, may our hearts be open to you. May we make the changes in our lives that are necessary be, that you have directed us with lord so we ask your blessing again upon our service and each one who participates for we pray in jesus name amen good morning, good morning. let's all rise together as we sing god's praises
pray. Lord, we do uh, just praise you for this morning. We praise you for this opportunity that we have to gather before you to worship you. As we're coming off the Christmas season, as we start the new year, Lord, we're reminded what it's all about. Lord, when the presents are over, when the time with family is over, Lord, we still have you. And that's what this holiday season is all about, you coming to this earth to save us. And Lord, as we start the new year, I pray that that would be our focus, Lord, that we would be focused on you and all that you've done for us, that we'd be focused on our response to that, Lord, a, a heart of worship, a heart that looks to you. And Lord, we do uh, just bring before you these requests, Lord. We have a lot of different things happening as we start the new year. I First of all, pray for those who aren't feeling well. I know that there's a handful of people who are sick and uh, just dealing with different sicknesses. So Lord, we do just pray for healing for them. We pray uh, that it wouldn't spread, Lord, that it would just be a, a healthy uh, new year for people. Lord, we just pray that you would uh, just heal those who are sick, help them to get back to full strength as quickly as possible. Lord, we do pray for uh, Dana's Aunt Deb, Lord, who's just dealing with uh, health issues. Lord, we do just pray, pray for healing for her. We pray that you would uh, uh, just uh, bring about healing in her life. Lord, we pray for uh, uh, Stephen uh, Van Meter, Lord, as he's healing from uh, this arm injury, Lord. He had the surgery this past week, and Lord, we do just pray that you would uh, bring about healing for him. Lord, I know that it's a uh, difficult situation, Lord. I do just pray that you would uh, just be with the doctors as they take care of him. And Lord, we just pray ultimately that you would uh, just stand with him and you would bring about healing. Lord, we do pray for Linda Seitz as she just continues to just ba- battle this pain, Lord. We do just pray for uh, just an ease of the pain and comfort for her. We pray uh, just for Sherm and Ann Miller, Lord, as uh, they're just getting results from tests as they're trying to make plans for the new year as far as uh, what exactly is going to happen with Sherm, Lord. We do just pray that you would give the doctors wisdom, that you would give them wisdom. Lord, we do uh, continue to pray for Arlene, Lord, as she's going to be having uh, her next round of uh, uh, chemotherapy this week, Lord. We do just uh, pray that it would work, Lord. We pray that there wouldn't be any hard side effects for her. We do, do again, just pray for healing for her. Lord, we pray for... Tyler Brandon's cousin, Lord Ellie, and we just pray for her. She just has all these tests done, Lord, and uh, the doctors look at uh, her with, a, with her brain and uh, just determine exactly what's going on. And Lord, I do just pray that you'd give the doctors wisdom to know exactly what to do in that situation. And Lord, we do continue to pray for Amazing Grace uh, Education Center, Lord. And Lord, we do just pray uh, for Shelly as she leads that school, Lord. We pray that you'd give her wisdom and guidance. And Lord, we do just pray that you would be the God of uh, provision, Lord. You'd be the God who provides for that school. Lord, we do just pray uh, again for the holiday season. Lord, we do just pray that uh, as people met with family, as people spent time uh, with family, Lord, we pray that you would bless families this holiday season, Lord. And ultimately that families and individuals would look to you, Lord, uh, that people would see you through this holiday. Lord, we do continue to pray for Israel, Lord. We just pray for protection for them. We pray that you would uh, just bring about uh, peace uh, over in the Middle East, Lord, that you would uh, just be the one to protect Israel. Lord, we do continue to pray for the Rubens, our missionary in the month, Lord. And uh, Lord, I do just pray that you would, again, just bless them there in Chile, Lord, that you would uh, just uh, make their ministry prosperous, Lord, that you would uh, reach people uh, through their work. 
And Lord, we do just pray again just for our church going into the new year. Lord, I pray that this would be a year of uh, direction for our church, a year of great accomplishment for our church, a year of impacting our community, Lord, and a year of reaching people for you. Lord, we do just pray all these things in your name. Amen. Please rise as we continue to sing uh, Christmas carols now as we sing to the Lord, Lord. Now this uh, next hymn is Away a in the Manger. It's hymn number 208. It's a little different melody than what you're used to hearing. And the children are dismissed.
great singing. You may be seated. Our scripture reading this morning is found in Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34. Exodus 20, 30, or Exodus 34, beginning at verse 28. Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands that the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and had told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. Well, I want to say up front, uh, I apologize in advance. Uh, I've been sick a lot this week. I'm getting over it, but my throat is still not 100%. So if at some point in time I need to grab a drink or my throat just stops working, uh, I apologize, so bear with me. Let's open up prayer. Lord, as we come before your word this morning, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would transform us. You would make us more and more like you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. So this past year, a new movie that came out was Transformers, part of the Transformers series. Uh, There's been a series of movies now made about Transformers. I've lost count about how many there are. Uh, But they're all based off of old TV shows, which was even before that based off of old toys. And uh, these Transformer toys were these robots that would transform into vehicles and you could transform them back to robots, or uh, in the more recent stuff, they've actually transformed into animals, uh, a little bit of a different, uh, ch- uh, different change of pace. But the whole idea of transforming is that it is one thing, and then it changes itself and becomes something else. And today we're going to talk about transforming, and we're going to talk about ourselves, that we are supposed to be transformed people. We're supposed to be transformed by the glory of God. We're going to be finishing this week our series, uh, Going Deeper with God, that we've been working through through Exodus. We've been here for a handful of months now. We're going to be concluding it today. So far, we've talked about uh, God uh, protecting Moses when he was a baby, bringing him up, helping him, uh, calling him to go stand before Pharaoh. We talked about God sending the ten plagues to deliver Israel from Egypt, bringing them out through the Red Sea, God parted the Red Sea for them. He led them into the wilderness, and God provided for them in the wilderness. God uh, gave, wisdom, or gave Moses wisdom on how to lead the people. 
And then we talked about the fact that Israel came to Mount Sinai, and at Mount Sinai, God was establishing this relationship with Israel, and this relationship was bound by a covenant. And that covenant was controlled by these commands. And we talked about the Ten Commandments and the fact that God commanded Israel and how they were supposed to live. And then we talked about the fact that right after God establishes this relationship with them, Israel immediately sins against God and breaks that covenant. And we talked about the tension that that created between God and the people of Israel, that God said, I can't be present with you because of your sin. But through the work of Moses, the mediator, God's presence was able to come back. And then two weeks ago, we talked about this request that Moses makes of God. He says, God, show me your glory. And we were able to talk about glory two weeks ago. And glory is God's fame or honor or magnificence. We talked about the fact that the idea of glory comes from the idea of weightiness, that, you know, he carries weight, and God should carry weight within our hearts. And then last week, we talked about the glory of God coming as Jesus Christ to be born in a manger. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. What we're going to talk about this week is that that glory should actually have an impact on us. That glory should change us and it should transform us to be different people. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 34. Then I'm actually going to jump to a passage in the New Testament to talk about us. And I'm going to jump to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So you can be prepared to turn there. But we're going to start here in Exodus chapter 34. This is the last message of our series starting in uh, chapter 35 through the end of the book of Exodus. It's just a description of the establishment of the tabernacle. And we're not really going to cover that so that we can get into a new series next week. But we're going to start by looking at Moses' transformation. That Moses was transformed because of his time with God. Moses' transformation comes from time with God. Let's read Exodus chapter 34. I'm going to read starting in verse 28. So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Moses goes through this transformation, this physical transformation. His face starts to shine because of his time with God. But what's important to start with is the fact that Moses' transformation starts with him spending time with God. It says he was on the mountain with God for 40 days and 40 nights. This is actually the second time that Moses is up on the mountain for this long. The first time is back in Exodus 24, verse 18. The first time that Moses got the Ten Commandments, he says he was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, but he goes back up and spends a new 40 days and 40 nights with God. But this comes after he makes this request of God to show him God's glory. So this time, Moses spends time with God beholding his glory. It says that he doesn't have to eat during that time or drink during that time. God sustains him, and that that time with God transforms him. It changes him on a physical level. Now, I would love for the opportunity to spend 40 days on a mountain with God. That would just be fantastic to me. You know, we often talk, especially amongst the teenagers, we have this phrase that we talk about a mountaintop experience. And what we mean by that is we mean this opportunity that people have to get away from the world, to spend time thinking about their relationship with God and thinking about God and trying to make decisions on how they should live their life. And Moses had 
the best mountaintop experience you could ever possibly have. A time literally on the mountaintops where he spent time with God. And he comes down from the mountain. He has the uh, Ten Commandments, the tablets of the testimony in his hands. And he's thinking in terms of, I'm given the instruction to give these uh, instructions and commands to Israel. But what he doesn't realize, and I love the fact that it says he doesn't even realize it, the fact that he was changed from that experience. So what does that change look like? Moses' transformation, it results in a physical change. Let's read again. I'm going to read verse 29 again. It says, When Moses came down from, the mount, from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterwards, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. So Moses goes through a physical change. His face actually starts to shine. We see multiple times in the scriptures that God's glory actually manifests itself as light. We don't normally think of that. We think glory again. <clears throat> Sorry. Glory is a non-physical thing, but it manifests itself as light. We see that in different places, like in the story of the Christmas story when the angels appear to sh the shepherds in Luke 2, verse 9. It says, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. We also see this in Jesus' transfiguration in Matthew chapter 17, verse 2. It says, and he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. And then we see this in uh, uh, the new heavens and the new earth in Revelation chapter 21, verse 23. It says that there's going to be no need for a sun. It says, for the glory of the Lord gives it light, and its lamp is the lamb. So God's glory manifests itself as a physical light that is blinding and hard to see. And that's what happens to Moses is that glory gets reflected on him and his face starts to shine. So much so that when everyone else sees him, everyone gets scared. Now, back then, they didn't have sunglasses the way that we have them today. So they had no way of protecting their eyes. They just, this, his face was shining and they got scared of him. We see this multiple times when people encounter angels or when people encounter um, uh, d uh, manifestations of God throughout the Bible, people get scared when they see them. And that's what the people did, is they got scared when they saw Moses. But Moses calls to them, and they come to him, and then Moses speaks to them, and he gives them the words that God had instructed him. But you know, that change that he goes through, the physical change, was also a mark for all of Israel to see that he was representing God as he spoke to the people. You know, nobody was going to be able to say, hey, Moses is making stuff up. Hey, Moses isn't uh, real with what he's saying because it was as plain as look on his face. We, in fact, we have that phrase. We have a phrase like, oh, you can tell if someone's lying by the look on their face. There's a TV show years ago called Lie to Me that was all about the main character was an expert at reading people's faces and telling if they were telling the truth or lying. Well, Moses, you could tell by his face that he wasn't lying that he was speaking God's words to the people. And then we get the third thing that we see about, the, about Moses' transformation, that's that Moses' transformation, it goes behind a veil. Let's read in verse 33. 
It says, when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining, and Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. So Moses puts a veil over his face. Why does he put a veil over his face? Well, a couple of reasons. First of all, it probably was there to protect the Israelites because that they don't get blinded every time they look at him. But it was also to mark the fact that he was set apart and holy by God because he was reflecting God's glory. You see, we see this throughout God's relationship with Israel, that since Israel is a sinful people and God is a holy God, that there has to be some sort of division between God's glory, God's holiness, and the people. In fact, you see this even play out when the tabernacle gets built and then the temple gets built. And there's this place within the tabernacle and temple called the most holy place, which is where God is, but there is a curtain put there. And that curtain becomes the dividing wall between God and the people. One big veil that keeps the people away from God's glory. And you see, that's, that's the thing. is This is acting as a separation between Moses, who's reflecting God's glory, and the people of Israel. And that continues throughout the rest of Moses' time. It says that for the rest of Moses' time, whenever he goes with God... Every time he comes out, he speaks to the people and then he puts the veil back over his face. But what's interesting here is that when Moses gets to talk with God, when Moses gets to behold God's glory, the veil goes away. Moses doesn't need the veil when he's with God. He gets to speak with God face to face. It's only when he comes out that the veil has to go over his face again. So this is a description about what happens with Moses, and it's this miraculous thing, but it's very easy for us to say, okay, but what does that have with us? Because, you know, I don't go up and spend 40 days on a mountain and have, my, have myself come down and my face is glowing. Like, that doesn't really happen with me today. But what's interesting is, if you flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul picks up this story and talks about it as applying to us. And we're going to talk about our transformation now for the rest of this message and how we're called to be transformed by God's glory as well. I'm going to start with the very last verse of the chapter, which is kind of the punchline to, the, to uh, the whole argument that Paul's building. And then we're actually going to backtrack to earlier and see what Paul is saying as he builds up to this argument. But I want to get to the punchline right off the bat. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, this is what Paul says. He says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We are called to be transformed by God's glory. We're called to be changed people because of God's glory. And we're going to see three things based off that. The first one is that, just like with Moses, this transformation comes from time with God. It doesn't just happen. It comes when we spend time with God. He says, when we all with unveiled face are beholding the glory of God. That means we're taking it in. 
The word beholding is actually a word that means to reflect as in a mirror. That we see God and then we reflect it as like within a mirror. A good kind of uh, analogy for what this might look like. We talk about the moon and I love the moon and it lights up the night sky. It's a bright light that's in the night sky. But the fact of the matter is the moon doesn't give off any light by itself. But what the moon does do is reflects light. It reflects the light of the sun. And it gives off that light onto the earth. In the same way, we behold God's glory and it reflects itself onto us. And then it says we get changed and transformed into the same image of that glory. That's not like the moon. The moon just reflects, but it doesn't actually change. But we are called to be changed by God's glory. Now, we call this transformation, the term that we use for it in the, in the church world is the word sanctification. And sanctification is a big, complicated term. But what, all that it really means is that we become more and more like God. That as we go through life, we get more and more removed from the sin that is in our lives and more and more like God. We become more and more transformed to reflect God's glory. Now, sanctification is not a one-time thing. It's not like at one point in time it was beforehand and then afterwards you're different. That's not how it is. It's a lifelong transformation. It starts the moment we place our faith in Jesus Christ and it goes all the way to the moment that we die, that we are every day being transformed to be less and less sinners and more and more like God. Romans 12, verse 2 says it like this. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We're called to be not like the world anymore, but be transformed to be more and more like God. Now, this transformation is a credit to the Holy Spirit. Here in 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This transformation is not something that we do ourselves. It's something the Holy Spirit does within us. As we turn over ourselves to the Holy Spirit, then He does the work of the transformation in our lives. In verse 6, if you look back there, Paul contrasts the Spirit with the law which is uh, the Ten Commandments that Moses is bringing down. And he says that those things bring about death, but the Spirit brings about life. The Holy Spirit makes us alive. And He's the one who does the transformation. But I also want to say that it's a transformation that happens internally. In Moses' situation, Moses' face changed. It was a physical change, an outward change that happened as he displayed God's glory, but our change, our transformation is not starting on the outside. It's starting on the inside. Here in Romans 12, it says that you are transformed by the renewal of your mind. It starts inside. It starts as an inward transformation. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 20, or chapter 36, verse 26, says it like this. says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. It starts with changing our own heart. 
It's an inward transformation. That's why it's the work of the Holy Spirit who lives within believers. That He is the one transforming us from the inside out and not from the outside in. So what do we have to do to be transformed into the, by the glory of God? The answer is start by spending time with God. Spending time getting to know Him. Spending time in His Word. Studying. Reflecting on Him. Praying to Him. Living out God's Word in your life. If I stood before all of you guys today and said, you know, I've made a decision in my life and starting tomorrow I'm going to be the best chef in the world. You know, I've, I've just, I'm going to be the best chef. That's what's going to happen. But in order to do that, I'm not going to spend any time in the kitchen. I'm not going to spend any time reading a recipe book. I'm not going to spend any time talking with other chefs. What would you guys say? It's not going to work, right? I'm not just going to instantly become the best chef in the world. It's the same if I said, I'm going to be the best athlete in the world. I'm going to be the best soccer player, but I'm never going to touch a soccer ball. Or I'm going to be the best guitar player, but I'm, I'm not going to touch my guitar anymore. I don't need any of that. You would say, that's not how this works. If you want to be good at something, you spend time doing that. It's the same with God. Now, we're not trying to be good at God, right? But we're trying to be more and more like God. We're trying to be more and more removed from our sin. And if we're going to do that, then it starts with us spending time with God. It starts with you and me choosing to spend our time on the Lord and thinking about His Word and its impact on us. So what does your time with God look like? Are you spending time with God? Or are you spending time caught up in your own world? That's the first thing we see is that this transformation comes from time with God. The second thing is that this transformation is to a greater glory. Let's back up in this chapter a little bit. I want to read uh, 2 Corinthians 3 starting in verse 7. And here uh, Moses' situation is brought up and contrasted with our situation. And this is what it says. In verse 7 it says, "Now Now if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end. Will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory much more, but what is permanent have glory. So Paul here talks about Moses, and he says, think about the glory that was shining on Moses' face, and it was certainly glorious. But he says, how much more glory should we have if we have the Holy Spirit working in us? He says it'll exceed it in glory. He says so much so that it will look like Moses' glory was no glory at all compared to the glory of the Holy Spirit that's working on us. Think about that. As we've talked about the beautiful situation that Moses went through, the transformation that he went through, Paul says this transformation is to an even greater glory. The transformation that you and I go through is to an even greater glory. Now, there's two reasons that Paul gives as to why it's greater. The first one, is, he says the former glory resulted in condemnation while our glory results in righteousness. You see, Moses' glory came with the law. 
It came with the Ten Commandments. It came with God forming His covenant with His people. But in that law became the awareness of sin. God set His standard in place, and Israel only failed to live up to that standard. And in doing so, the result was condemnation on them. The result was that things didn't work out for them. That they stood before God as a sinful people. But our glory, it says, results in righteousness. See, the fact of the matter is we are sinful people just like the Israelites. But the glory that comes through Jesus Christ, that we talked about last week, that glory of God born in a manger, that glory that comes through the Holy Spirit, when Jesus goes to the cross and dies on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, when we place our faith in Him, the result is that our sin is forgiven and we get declared righteous by God. Now, it's important to say that our sin isn't swept under the rug. It's not ignored. Our sin is forgiven. It's erased. And we stand before God as people declared righteous by Him. The result of the work of Jesus Christ is righteousness for us. And there's a second reason that Moses gives as to why our glory is greater than Moses' glory. And that's that he says Moses' glory was being brought to an end while our glory is permanent. See, here's the thing. As Moses put the veil back on his face, he covered himself. The Bible here says that his glory was being brought to an end. It was fading away. Moses' change that he had on his face was not a permanent change. It faded over time. It was only when he went back to spend more time with God that his face would start shining Again, and just like that, the law that Moses brought, the covenant that God formed with Israel was fading away. It was going to fail because Israel was going to fail to live up to the covenant. It was being done away with, but our glory is permanent. It's a complete change. It's a transformation into a newness of life. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 says it like this. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is not a temporary transformation. This is not uh, you can be transformed, but then go back to the way you were. The way that Moses, his glory would ultimately fade away. Our glory is permanent because we are transformed people. I love the analogy of a butterfly. They have this little caterpillar crawling along the ground. And then that caterpillar forms a cocoon or a chrysalis. And inside that cocoon, it transforms itself. It literally breaks its body down and rebuilds itself to be a butterfly. And it comes out of the cocoon a butterfly. But here's the thing. That's a permanent change. That butterfly doesn't get to go back to being a caterpillar. No matter what the butterfly does going forward, it is a butterfly. It's not going back at all. In the same way, our transformation by the Holy Spirit is a permanent transformation. We don't go back at any point in time. We only go forward. So what does that transformation look like to us? How do we know if we've been transformed in that way? The Bible says that 
while the transformation is an inward transformation, there should be an outward display of that transformation. In fact, it calls it the fruit of the Spirit. That if the Spirit is transforming us, there should be some type of fruit that comes out of that. And it says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, or goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That we should have a change in our lives because of the change that happened within us. That there should be some outward change because of what's been done within us. And why is that supposed to be the case? And the answer is so that people can see us and see God's glory on display in our transformed lives. So that people can see us living for God and they can give glory to God because of how we live our lives. 1 Corinthians 10.31 For whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. We talked about that verse a couple weeks ago that our lives should carry out God's glory because we've been transformed by that glory. So that brings us to the last thing we want to talk about and this that our glory is unveiled. You see, Moses with his glory he had to put a veil over his face so that Israel couldn't see it. They wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't have the impact of that. The, it would protect them, but it would also set them apart from God. That God would remain holy. But for our transformation, it's different. Go to verse 12 here in 2 Corinthians 3. It says, For since we have such hope, we are very bold, not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened, for to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed." Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You see, Paul brings up Moses' veil. And says, listen, Moses had this veil over his face, but the result for Israel, he says, the result for them was a hardness of their hearts. That a veil was put not just over Moses' face, but over their hearts. That they couldn't see God in all of his glory. And he says, even to this day, whenever the Old Covenant is read, whenever Moses is read, he says, the veil lies over their hearts. Think about that even today. We have missionaries that we support who reach out to the Jewish people, who try to share Christ with them, but the fact of the matter is they're speaking with the Jewish people who have a veil over their hearts. That veil is hardening their own hearts. So what, what do we do about that? Well, this verse lays it out very clearly. It says, but when one turns to Christ, the veil is removed. The solution to having a veil over your heart, to having a hardness of heart, is not do better. It's not be a better person. It's not try to get rid of the sin within your life. It's turn to Christ to have the veil removed. The work has already been done for us by Jesus Christ dying on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. 
we have to turn to Christ for the veil to be removed. That's the only way that it can be removed. It's the only way it can be removed for Jewish people, for people who read Moses. And it's the only way it can be removed for us. And then it says, and we with unveiled faces get to behold the glory of God. Think about that. That we don't have to have the veil. I talked earlier about the fact that Moses, when he got to go with God, he got to take the veil off. When Moses got to be with God, he was unique from the rest of Israel that he got to speak with God without the veil. But each one of us get that blessing. Each one of us get that opportunity that we get to view God in all of his glory without a veil, without anything keeping us apart from him. So the question that we have to ask this morning is do we have a veil between us and God? That's a question that each one of us has to ask ourselves. Do you feel like you and God are at peace, are working together, that you are beholding God's glory, or do you feel like there's something separating you and God this morning? And if there is, if you feel like there's something separating you and God, the solution is right here. It says turn to Christ. Turn to your Lord your Savior, the one who died to pay the penalty for your sin. And you can have forgiveness of your sin. You can have a relationship with God. You can have the veil taken away so that we can have access to God. The result is here in verse 12, this beautiful line says, we get to be very bold. Think about that. We get to be bold as we approach God. That we have such access to Him that we don't have to be separate, we don't have to be scared because of our forgiveness of our sins, because we've been declared righteous by God. We don't have that separation between us and Him. That we get to approach Him with boldness. So if you feel like there's still a veil between you and God this morning, turn to Him this morning. Pray to Him. Say, Lord, I need the veil taken away. Please help me. I want to be with you. And for those of us this morning who see that the veil is gone, we get to behold God's glory, there comes a responsibility with that. It's not just sit back and enjoy God's glory. It's as we behold God's glory, we are transformed into that same glory. That we become reflectors of that glory. You see, we need to strive as we get to see God more, we have to strive to want to be more like that. I think that one of the greatest causes for sin in our lives and the sins that seem to continue over and over and over again in our lives, not the, not the only cause, but I think one of the causes for that is that we've grown to be complacent about our sin. We've grown to be accepting of our sin. We've grown to say, hey, that sin's not that big of a deal. It's really not that big of a situation. And if you're in that situation today, behold God's glory. Get a glimpse of God. The more we see God, the more we see that our sins in our lives are unacceptable in comparison to that. That we need to deal with sins. We can't just be complacent about it. They don't just get, they don't just get a slide because we are called to be people who reflect God's glory. We need to do something about the sins within our own lives. So in conclusion, we have Moses' transformation and we have our transformation. Both of us were transformed and are transformed with our time with God. 
Moses' transformation resulted in a physical change. His face literally started to shine. But for us, it's this greater glory that our lives get changed as we become more and more like Christ. And Moses' glory was put behind a veil. But our glory is unveiled. We get to see God's face. We get to reflect that into the world. So the question is, are we going to live transformed lives? You know, today is the last day of the year. Uh, Tomorrow starts the new year. And this is a time where everyone likes to make New Year's resolutions, and we can talk about that all, all we want. But the idea behind the New Year's resolution is that you want to change something in your life. You want to be different. Well, the thing is, we're called to be different. We're called to be transformed people. We're called to be more and more like God on a daily basis. So maybe not our New Year's resolution, maybe our daily resolution should be to be transformed, to be more and more like God and display His glory. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we praise You that we don't hide behind a veil. That our glory is not put behind a veil. That we get access to You. We get to be bold as we approach You not because of anything we've done, but because of the work of Jesus Christ, that He paid the penalty for our sins, that He gave us righteousness and forgiveness from our sins. And Lord, I pray that our lives would be changed by that. That as we behold Your glory on a daily basis, as we get to know You more, as we get to spend more time with You, that we would be changed as people that we would be different, that we would be transformed, that we would be more and more removed from our sin that's so easily entangling us in life, and that we'd be more and more like you, reflecting your glory in the world around us. We pray that it would all be for your honor and your glory this morning. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Please rise as we sing about our about our Savior, our Lord Jesus, who came not only to be born, but to go to a cross for us.
It really is all about the cross. You know, this morning we talked about, I said if, the, if you feel like there's a separation between you and God, there's this veil between you and God, and you want to do something about it this morning, we're going to have people up front who would love to talk with you, to pray with you, to encourage you to turn to Jesus, to remove the veil, to have this access to God. And Lord, as we go out this morning, we pray that we would be transformed people. We would live transformed lives. That we would be different because we've spent time with you. Because we've seen your glory. We pray that we would be transformed into that same image of glory. Lord, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you.